Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. Growing your own has always been the plan for the Colorado Rockies. Developing big leaguers from the farm system is the way the best teams are built. But homegrown is another meaning for these Rockies, as in native Colorado-born players, especially pitchers. Yours truly was the first, but obviously not the best, of the Colorado-born hurlers to wear the purple pinstripes. Last season, the Rockies featured three left-handed pitchers who prepped here, including Thomas Jefferson High's Kyle Freeland, Regis Jesuit's Ty Block, and Legacy High's Lucas Gilbreth. Freeland and Gilbreth remain on the roster, and they've just been joined by the pride of Faith Christian High School, right-hander Pierce Johnson, who Colorado signed as a free agent just a few days ago. Pierce joins the show this week to talk about returning home, the time he's already spent in the National League West, and what he plans to bring to the Rockies bullpen. Don't want to miss this convo. It's next on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Hey, this is the time of year that there's a lot of high school football recruiting news going on. Everybody's talking about who's going to sign where. And a lot of us around here give the local schools, Colorado and Colorado State, some grief because they don't sign enough local talent. They don't sign enough Colorado high school players. Is that the way we're going to think? We should give the Rockies credit because the Rockies are doing the other. The Rockies are signing local guys. I know I talked to Bud Black about this last year, the day we did our, our podcast with Lucas Gilbreth and Kyle Freeland and Ty Block. And Bud, I know, would like to have as many homegrown pitchers as he could for obvious reasons. And we went out and got one last week. And I got to believe Bud had something to do with that. Pierce Johnson is joining us today on the podcast. And Pierce, I think, and Manny probably agrees with me, Bud Black had something to do with bringing you here. Yeah, you know, we had a really good Zoom call um, right before I signed. He uh, just kind of laid it all out there, talked about the organization and the players and how much they valued me. And, uh, you know, I've played against this team for the last four or the five years, yeah, you know, yeah. the last five years. So, you know, it was uh, it was a great call. You know, Schmidt and Rosenthal were on the call as well, and it just seemed like the right fit and uh, super excited to come home. Now let's get this out, out of the way right off the right off the top. Were you a Rockies fan growing up? I, I imagine you you were probably. So it, it's kind of a funny story. Yes and no. I mean, my dad worked for the Padres, so I actually was a Padres fan okay. first. And then when we moved to Colorado, 
I mean, you just end up adopting the team that, you know, you get to watch every day. So, um, you know, I got to watch, you know, Todd Helton, Larry Walker, you know, Dante Bichette, uh, I mean, all these guys and, you know, Troy Tulowitzki and when Clint Barmas came up and, you know, it was cool. Now as a visiting player, I got to pitch at the stadium I grew up going to. And then now I get to call it my home stadium. Any trepidation? Uh, I mean, I, I didn't have any when I came here. Not that it helped, but I didn't. I wasn't fearful of the elements. Feel fearful out too. This was normal. This is how I grew up. Yeah. You're the pride of Faith Christian High School. My nemesis right now. My arch nemesis, by the way, as I'm a coach in the same league. But nonetheless, a great baseball tradition. I spent some time with David Bodie over the weekend. He said to tell you hi. I, I just feel like there's nothing to be fearful of if this is what you're used to. Yeah, and I think training here in the offseason helps a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, playing catch here, throwing bullpens, spinning breaking mm-hmm. balls. Um, just kind of seeing how your stuff plays. And then yep. I think that translates pretty well when you get to humidity and then stuff starts moving a little bit more. It's more, yes, exactly. Little, yeah. So it's a little adjustment, but for the honestly, uh, for the most part, it's it's uh I'm not intimidated by it. I've had a lot of success pitching here too. You um you you throw a curveball and you throw it a lot and you throw a good one. Obviously, uh it's that's one of the the, the pitches that people have had trouble here with. I'll just I'll just throw the the classic uh example of Clayton Kershaw and how they did uh, he was in San Diego and then they then they then they took uh then they then they saw what he did here with his curveball and he lost half of his break between San Diego and here. So that's just for for the listeners just kind of giving you an idea and that's Clayton Kershaw and that's a few years ago. So it, it uh, kind of dovetailing along with the, uh, Mark's question, what do you, uh, what are, what are going to be the keys for you? And you pitched here, so it's not like it's not it's anything, you know, that's super new or anything, but what are going to be the keys that now that you're going to be pitching here at, at your, as this as your home ballpark to keep that uh, high spin rate curveball working? I think just throwing it, like you said, I do throw it a lot. And uh, I think the more you throw it in a place like this, the more you get used to it. But I've had a ton of success here because I just changed my eyesight. I know it's not going to break as much. So instead of aiming necessarily at the pitcher's shoulder or the catcher's shoulder, I'll just aim a little bit lower, maybe like his, you know, mid torso or maybe at his knee. And I'm not going to get the same break out of it, but I'm still going to get the same movement, just not as much. So for me, I'm just changing my eyesight and uh, just throwing it with the same conviction I would at sea level or anywhere else. I'll throw this in, Manny. I, I talked to Darren Holmes back when he was here, and you know, Darren had a big old curveball, as we know. He said the analytics studies they've done here have shown that the curveball is the most effective breaking pitcher. It's affected the least amount by the altitude, especially a good spin rate curveball. That the cutter and to some extent the slider were affected more by by the altitude than a curveball was. And I know the Rockies made a pitch. You remember when John Gray was being told yep. to learn a curveball because I think they think that's more effective here than than the slider. Would you agree, Paris? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've seen guys that throw a lot of cutters and, and sliders that really have not had a ton of success here, but yeah. they change their approach and they start throwing more curveballs and maybe some more four seams or whatever it may be that their other repertoire has. But I've seen cutters and uh, and two seams actually get hit pretty well here. You were really, really good for the Padres, uh, particularly in, and before you got hurt last season, uh, 2020 and 2021. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers, 87 appearances. 78 innings, 3.09 ERA, 11.9 strikeouts per nine. So you you um you've had success in the NL West, and uh, obviously the the uh, Padres were playoff teams in 20 were a playoff team in 2020, playoff team last year. What was your key to kind of developing and and having those kind of breakout seasons? And then also, how's the how's the elbow or the forearm? I should say at this point. I- First off, I feel great. I mean, I got to finish the year healthy and then uh, got to pitch in the playoffs. And my stuff was there. Velo might have been down a tick, but still felt great. Feel great right now. I'm throwing. I feel 
feel really good. But yeah, you know, this is a really fun division to pitch in because every time you you show up, you know, you're facing the Dodgers, you're facing the Giants, you're facing. I mean, Arizona's got a pretty good lineup, and you got to pitch against Colorado. And honestly, they got some bats. And they had in the past too. And but honestly, for me, I th- I really think when I went to Japan, I just gained the confidence in myself again. I became Pierce Johnson. I wasn't trying to be anything else. I was just. I went over there. I was like, I'm gonna. If I finish my career here, I finish my career here. But you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna just pitch the way I want to pitch. I'm going to pitch to my strengths, and that's what everything just fell into place. Yeah, Manny mentioned the shortened last season, 14 innings, I think, is all you got in last season. In some regards, maybe that's a benefit because you saved yourself a little bit for, for now and getting a pitch at the end of the year. You'd rather be healthy at the end of the year than the beginning of the year, certainly. D- did you have other offers? Could you have gone somewhere else? Yeah, you know, we had a couple of teams in the mix, but, uh, you know, this one just was the right fit for us. You know, my wife and I prayed about it, and um, – it just seemed right. I mean, we get to spend, you know, an entire year in our own bed and then we get to spend time with our family. And, um, you know, it's just really cool that we get to, you know, spend this time with family and, you know, you never know how long your career is going to be. Right. Yep. And the fact that I get to play in front of my parents, in front of my in-laws and my grandpas are both getting old and they follow every one of my games, you know, it's, it's going to be really cool to, to be around them a lot more this year. Lots yeah. of ticket requests. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of yep. names on that sheet. So um, what do you think about this club going forward? I mean, obviously, you know, um, 2020, 2021, they lost a couple of uh, star players, obviously. And that's that's kind of created the situation where maybe they're still looking for an identity. But now they have a lot of young talent coming in here and that they're it's almost like, okay, let's see what what we've got here. How do you see this roster? How do you see this team at this point uh, as you as you go into it? Because obviously they're not. It's not like a team that's going to be looked at as maybe competing for a division title or even necessarily top two spot. But could you could you feel like this team could surprise some people? Absolutely. And I also I think the top three starters we have, you know, they're going to set the the precedent for us. Um, I, when I saw Marquez pitching in San Diego two years ago, I mean, when he was on, that guy is unhittable. And then, you know, Freeland's had tons of success. You know, he's had his ups and downs, as we all have. And Sensatella, I mean, those three right there, they're going to be the anchor for us. Um, but, you know, hopefully Chris Bryant stays healthy because we all know what kind of player he can be, MVP talent. You know, really fun to be able to play with him again. But, you know, with the leadership of Charlie Blackman and, you know, some of the other veterans, I think they're going to truly just kind of help shepherd the young guys. And, you know, they got some really good talent, McMahon and Rogers and, you know, it, and Daza. And, you know, they got – it's really good, really good talent, but um, I'm just excited to get to meet these guys and, and see, uh, you know, what we got going forward. Talk about the National League West. You mentioned the fun division of pitching. Having been here and having played in this division, you've got, it's got to be something of an advantage to you, familiarity at least. Yeah, the comfort of being able to know your surroundings, know where you're going, you know, pitching in the same ballparks, you kind of know how they play, you know the other teams. The scouting report isn't brand new to you. You know, you face the same guys over and over. Um, I think that does play a huge benefit. Um, so excited to, uh, you know, face these couple juggernaut teams out there, but you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Dodgers look different, man. Justin Turner won't be there. Uh, obviously, Trey Turner won't be there. We still expect the Dodgers to be the Dodgers. Yeah, how do you lose uh, they, two Turners in one offseason? Yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah. <laughs> What are the odds um, of that? But, I mean, they, right? they won't be exactly the same Dodgers, but they're still going to be a formidable Dodgers. How do you – uh, Pierce, how do you approach a lineup like that? Did you know that there's just not a weak spot in it? You just pitch to your strengths. I mean, know the situation at hand, and obviously you're going to change some things day to day with how your stuff's playing and whatnot. But 
you know, they always seem to put out a pretty good team, but uh, us as pitchers, you know, success generally leads towards us, right? You know, pitters are going to fail a majority of the time. So um, just trusting our stuff going out there and, you know, not being afraid of anybody, never backing down. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen teams that you know, don't necessarily have the best staffs that shut down some really, really good lineups. And I think if we go out there and we're prepared, I think we're going to be just fine. How does, um, how does going back to Japan a little bit, how does uh, pitching in, you know, pitching to keep your career going and to, um, to face that kind of a, a maybe pressure and that kind of uh, challenge, make it easier. Maybe I'm, I guess I'm asking you, does it make it easier now, even though you're in the big leagues because you've overcome some formidable challenges to get to the point that you are, and have had some success. So even coming to Colorado, a ballpark that plays the way it does, et cetera, et cetera. Does it make everything that comes in, in, in you know, in front of you and in your, in your um, field of vision, a lot easier to, to, to deal with? Absolutely. I think going over there, being one of the only American guys, you know, kind of being alienated almost pitching in big atmospheres, uh, playing good talent, pitching in high leverage situations, it just breeds confidence. And this game is built on confidence. And so for me, just being able to go over there, get that confidence back, find my strengths, and then not straying away from it, that's truly what I think has led to my success. What have the Rockies told you about your role in this bullpen? Obviously, the Rockies' bullpen struggles are no, no shock to you. You've seen it close up. What do they see? How do they see you fitting in? And what have they told you about what might be your job? You know, we all know Bard's got the back end job. You know, nobody's taking that thing from him. So um, uh, I was... When I talked to them, I just said, you know, I, I want to be one of the guys that you value at the end of the pen, at the end of the game, you know, whether it's the sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, somewhere in there. And uh, they all seem to agree. Um, now, with that being said, no roles ever, you know, set in stone unless you're, you know, a certain guy. But hopefully just being able to be an anchor in the back of the pen and hopefully be a bridge between the starter and Bard. You know, Bard's no spring chicken. Uh, yeah, he's, he's getting up there a little bit, right? Can you see yourself being a closer? Has that, has that ever been part of your plan? I mean, I think every reliever, you know, would like the opportunity to it's pitch. It's really the different, game. though. You, you, it's really different. The seventh, the eighth inning is really different from the ninth inning. You know that. Oh, no doubt. And honestly, it was crazy. When I was pitching in Japan, I was the setup guy. And I feel like I came across two, three, four in the lineup <laughs> almost every night. It was just crazy. It was you, know who told, you know who told me that? He's, you know who, who brought that up to me and told me that last year was Carlos Estevez? He's like, man, did you see? He's like... You see, you go back and look at each one of my last like four outings, and I had the middle of the lineup every time. And then he goes on the road for a while, he comes back, and he's like, Hey, did you see that? <laughs> like it happened again, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so absolutely. Anyway. It's just funny. It's just like that's how the cards always fall. And you know, I the closer is the those are the three hardest outs to get in a game, yep, no doubt. No that's, I'm not taking that from anybody, nope, but no question. Um, that seventh, eighth inning, I mean, it is tough. I mean, you may come in for one plus and you may have to come in with traffic on the bases, yep. and it's it's a different animal. And, uh, you know, I've actually played with Bard. We were with Chicago Cubs uh, together back in 2015. You know, I was texting him and Kimley. I'm friends with those two. And, um, man, I'm just excited to, to share the field with those two, those two again. Well, you know, you brought up Tyler Kinley. Tyler had, you know, obviously got hurt, but he was their best um, yeah, outside he was, of Bard. He was heading for an all-star berth. He was, oh, he was no very, doubt. very good. And, um, you know, having him back, having you in the fold with Bard, you know, you start to you start to squid a little bit, and you're like, wait a minute. You know, I mean, this is this is starting to maybe potentially come together here. Um, so I, I'll have to get you. Uh, it's around here somewhere. I'll have to get you a copy of the book I did with uh, the Blake Street Bombers because you're a local guy and uh, you grew up on those guys. So um, I'll get that. you a copy Thank of that. But those, but those, but Dante Bichette had said 
that the 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 success that they had in 95 that first playoff season um in their third year of existence was because they had a pin that kept the game manageable and the starter could go out there and say well you know what if i can hold them to four we're in great shape you know and they and they were just comeback kids they just came back a lot because the pen held them do you see that as maybe becoming a formula again um because in the 30 year history of this franchise no division titles. They haven't figured out how to win it all. They had that one like Cinderella run in 2007, obviously, which if you played those 21 games again, you don't get the same result 99 right. out of 100 times. They haven't figured out how to win here. And it's not that it's easy either. I mean, because of the altitude and the course hangover going over, over you know, back to sea level. But could it be that the blueprint has to go back to that where it's like starters, keep it within reach, bullpen, do your thing, keep it within reach. Don't look at your individual numbers and then give us a chance to stay within three or four runs late in the game. thousand percent. I think baseball has gone to that in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you're seeing relievers sign these massive contracts for not that many years. But I also think when you have a really solid bullpen, right, it gives the hitters confidence when they go up to bat because they know, hey, we get a couple of runs, we're going to hand it over to the pin, and it's going to be all right. And I kind of saw that in San Diego a little bit too because, I mean, we – we kind of had a firepower pen. I mean, we were having, we were rolling yeah. out Suarez, Hader, Garcia. Um, oh, we saw that know, in the had... season last year, man. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I think throughout baseball, honestly, I think the, the bullpen's being valued more, especially with starters not going deeper than five or six. You know, you're not seeing the the starters going complete games, unless you're all contra. I mean, he's just a unicorn. But um, yeah, I think I just think throughout baseball that that's a recipe for success. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, you don't want to get worn out either. If a starter can give you seven, if you have one or two guys in that rotation that can go seven or eight, sometimes eight innings, gives you that breather you need to kind of set things up right. Because if you if you if the bullpen has to pitch half of every game, you're going to wear out. You're just going to. It's 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 not possible for it to work any other direction. So on that topic, though, I mean, is are we lose? I mean, we asked this of um, a few of our our guests in previous podcasts. Are we losing the starting pitcher from your perspective, Pierce? I mean, are we, you know, for me, long live the starter. I love still seeing guys go out there and are, you know, able to do. But when Max Scherz and these guys who are getting, you know, Verlander, Scherzer, these guys who are getting older, Clayton Kershaw, when those guys are gone, you know, are we still going to see? Because there are some people in the in and around the game that think that they're just, they're, they're just not, they're not that many in the pipeline. I mean, I can see it both ways. I mean, with how much teams are relying on the bullpen, especially late, you know, I could see the starter just being a five and dive, you know, especially the guys with that high powered stuff. When you have starters rolling out there, throwing hundred miles an hour with a 94 mile slider, like they're probably going to throw a lot of pitches and, you know, the pitch count gets up there and then you have to hand it over to the bullpen. But I kind of hope it stays that, that there are some starters, those workhorses that go deep. I mean, I grew up loving Roy Hallett and that guy was an absolute, mm-hmm dominant workhorse i mean how many complete games did he have it was it was insane so i hope it doesn't go away but i could also see especially three four five starters that it's going to be kind of a five and dive speaking of the game and 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 the future of the game what do you think about are you a are you a pro um band the shift guy or are you like i could have gone could have could have been fine either way I'm kind of fine either way when i was in japan and i know this is completely different like you're facing two different lineups they're very fundamental, right? And they're not going to, there's a couple boppers in the lineup that are going to really hit for power, but they didn't shift at all. If it was a shift, it was kind of like what they're implementing now. I mean, the guy is a shortstop or second baseman can't pass second base. And mm-hmm. I had a ton of success with that. So um, I think it's, I think it's going to be all right. I think it's going to be a little bit of adjustment, but those big lefties that just get 
Absolutely. Screw the right field. Yeah. 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 I think that's going to hurt those guys the most, but uh, I mean, I've been beaten by the shift just as much as the shifts helped me. And so it's frustrating. It's not a thing about like, it doesn't get in your head about like, okay, I'm going to have to think about this, think about everything and a little bit differently now because my guys are going to be, position where they're supposed to be where they're supposed to be where they've been for 150 years or they were right yeah i'm not too worried about it, honestly i haven't i i think the topic that i hear more often from pitchers is the pitch clock that okay what do you think implement. about that tell us your, your thoughts and maybe also what you hear uh you don't have to name names of course but what you hear about the pitch clock and what whether if guys like it or not or can't adjust to it or what they see happening I think I think everybody likes it from the fact that it just speeds up a game. There's going to be a you know some growing pains and some stuff that uh, you know guys are going to have to adjust to. For me, I just hope it's I hope it's policed the same because when I when they first implemented the pitch clock in the minor leagues, I was in the fall league, and I was on the mound ready to go throw to throw a pitch, waiting for the guy to stand in the box, and the umpire balled me. And I'm like, whoa, bro, like, come on, man. He's the guy's not even, not in, the even in the box yet. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, that's a ball. And I'm looking at my manager like, is this, is this really happening right now? Because really that should have been a strike for me. And I think I ended up, I was so frustrated. I ended up walking him on three pitches, which is hilarious. But um, <laughs> no, nah, I honestly, I well, think. How do, you, how do you combat that? Do you just get the ball? I mean, go Tom Browning and get the ball and throw it. Just get the ball and throw it. I mean, Tom Browning. Honestly, speaking I tried of, to work that which, way a lot. Tom of Browning, time. yeah, he, the late Tom Browning. I tried to work that way a lot of times. Today. I tried to just get because the hitters don't like it. Yeah, the hitters don't want that. you working quick, and the defense loves it. So I tried right. to work quick like that. But if the hitter's going to step out of the box, can you just throw it? And the umpire's going to call it a strike. Now is that how it's going to work? Well, I don't know. Like, can you step out two times? I can only I can only disengage from the rubber twice, from what I understand. Wow. And that's even pickoffs too. At least when I was on my rehab assignment, this is what guys were doing. You can only pick over to first base twice. And then the runner was just like, all right, I'm taking second base because I know you have to throw the pitch. Or if he picks off and I'm safe, then I automatically get second because it's a balk. You know what you need or you needed in that situation is is the whoever the umpire was when Todd Helton got thrown out of that game last year. Because Todd Helton has rejoined the Rockies. You may have heard of that. Rockies organization. uh, And he was down with some of the minor league guys. and and, Albuquerque. Albuquerque. And and they were, you know, guy just, you know, kind of nonchalant out of the box and he got a called strike three on him and Helton just went ballistic and apparently got thrown out of the game. So um, I love I, you, that. I yeah. Love I was going to say you needed that guy behind the plate, whoever that was. I don't know exactly who it was, but well, that's the only yeah. way this is going to work. Like Pierce said, if it's not policed properly, it's not yeah. going to work. And, and we know Manny last weekend when we were talking to the guy who runs the, who ran the clock at Coors field, he's quitting. He hates it so much. He's not even going to do it anymore. Because it's such a farce. I because I don't I think they it. can police it properly. It's too much human error. Too much. Um, well, what about when you're on the road, right? So, like, yeah. say I'm pitching on the road, Dodger Stadium, tight game. You know, it's uh, the eighth, seventh, eighth inning. You know, I got Mookie Betts coming up, and there's a guy in second base, but they're only allotting me a certain amount of time. And I'm shaking to get to my pitch, and I mean, I know there are two pitches, but like, this is a huge part of the game. Yep. Like. Yep. If I disengage twice, I balk him to third. Now it's a sack fly, and they win the yep. game because of that. That's going to be that to me is going to be frustrating. But on the flip side, if I'm working really quick and they step out multiple times, are they going to reward me a strike? Yeah, that's, that's my. Thought, yeah, there are a lot of question marks on how this is going to work, and also how it's going to vary from got from plate umpire to plate umpire. It's a good. It's a good. Point. Or from stadium to stadium. Stadium. Are to stadium. certain teams yeah. going to are are they going to give them more of an advantage? 
Yeah. I mean, you're almost going to have to find. What would, know, Nolan, what would Nolan Ryan have done, Mark? What would Nolan and Ryan, Nolan Ryan have done in this situation? Obviously, we know that he was he had his guys at uh, Arlington uh, Stadium uh, uh, keeping the mound about what three inches higher than oh, at it least, was allowed. At least. Yeah, I, you know what do you do here? I he wouldn't. Have, well, first of all, if guys stepping out often against Nolan, he's going to get one in your hole. He's going to get one in your hole if you keep stepping out of the box. But I think Nolan something just tells me they would have altered that approach for Nolan a little bit. I think they probably would have said, well, take your time, sir. You're Nolan Ryan, because that's what they did with, for instance, in, I think it was 87. It was, everything was a balk. I mean, you pretty much, you didn't have to come to a complete stop. You had to pause and, and wait for traffic to go by before you could proceed to throw a pitch <laughs> to the plate. It was, it was so bad. And, but they didn't call it the same on everybody. They just, they're not going to, they never can. And so they're going to give some guys the benefit of the doubt and other guys, they're not going to give the benefit of the doubt. And that's going to be raise some problems. I just think this thing's going to be, policed as you t- said pierce about the first half of the year and then it's just going to wane maybe the, they'll they'll watch the pickoff throws or whatever but the solution this is not the solution to speed up baseball we've talked about this many times manny the solution to speed up baseball is to make the strike zone the strike zone call strikes the way there's strikes and, the, and make batters well, the bat earlier count if you're speaking from a sp- specific perspective but yes Dude, i mean expand the strike how about expand the strike zone Let's just call it, listen if the rule says if any part of the ball hits any part of the black it's a strike and we know right. it's not called that way so or is well, it yeah and yes. well you know that's that's going to be and then the questions will come up when they get when that electric when the electronic strike zone comes which hitters will hate and hitters because hate then it's like are you gonna are you gonna give them a strike if it's like if like a sliver of the, yes. the ball you know caught the corner and all that stuff and which i think it would be to the benefit of the game if you if they did because no, it, people it encourages have, more you swing. can play you can play seven innings of slow pitch softball in one hour because guys walk up and swing the bat they don't take until it's three and two all the time. Take a pitch that's a micro inch off the plate. They take they swing, they go up to swing the bat, which is what fans pay to see anyway. They pay to see you swing yeah. the bat. So yeah. if they want to speed up baseball, that's all they'd have to do. This other nonsense is just gonna is just for, for show. Well, what do you think about run production and like hitters production? Because like you said earlier, right? Like you wanted to go really fast. You wanted to have a good yep. momentum, a good rhythm, yep. which ha- hitters hated that, hate, right? Hate, hate it. So what if offense declines significantly because the pitchers are moving so fast now? that the hitter doesn't really have time to, you know, really gather his approach in the middle of an at bat. He just ends up rolling over. Or striking. Step, if yeah. they were That's going fair. to change, if they were going to fix the offense, if they wanted to up offense in that circumstance, Pierce, maybe they just remove an outfielder. I don't know. Do <laughs> maybe go. everybody's going to put the glove on the other hand. And everybody's got there to you go. The oh, there's a good idea. Yeah. We'll see. I, it's not offense that people crave. It's action. A great defensive play is just as exciting as a, as a great offensive play. You know, right. if a guy hits a, I, I go back to the play. Pierce, you probably, I don't know if you remember this, you're probably playing, but um, Yasiel Puig picked up a ball in the right center. It was hit into right center field by Trevor Story, picked it up on the warning track and threw a no, dime right. to third base to throw out Trevor Story. It was the greatest throw I've ever seen. He's out at third. Now, if he's safe at third, does that make it any less of an exciting play? He's out at third. Same thing. It's a great, exciting play. It was magnificent. Um, that's what fans want to see, not people taking balls a quarter inch off the plate. For- and, and and the way you get that is contact. Yeah. You, mm-hmm, ball exactly. and play. Ball and play more. And you know, and Mark, as you know, we've talked to get people, a lot of people who think that the pendulum is swinging back a little bit for yep. various reasons where people, you know, don't feel like they should sell out so much for power at the expense of contact. What would you prefer, Pierce? Would you would you prefer um, as a pitcher high strikeout, uh, but every once in a while, the three run homer or would you uh, would you like to uh, pitch the contact? Because you're a high strikeout guy. But I mean, that's also, you know, that's. That's the game right now. What would you think if uh, there was more contact? Do you think that that would be it? Would, maybe it would benefit the game, but as a pitcher, how do you see that? Uh, it's a great question because when you start getting into the debate of 
high strikeouts or power or contact, stuff like that. When it comes to it and the money, everybody wants the high strikeout, right? You know, because that's what that's what you're going to get paid. That's where you get paid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So guys, guys that get a lot of contact, they're going to give up hits. They're going to give up, you know, longer innings. You might, you know, you give up four runs. And And depending on which war you're going to use, if they if they come to that and start using war in these arbitration hearings, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Fangrass looks at it differently with with regard to strike. You know, some some sides value strikeouts more than exactly like Kyle Freeland. When you look at Kyle Freeland's um, early early years, and and you look at his Baseball Reference WAR versus his Fangraphs WAR, huge difference, and 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 he's one of the few guys who had such a big difference, and it's because of the ground balls, you know, the value of you know outs via contact versus outs via strikeout, and how those are different, they're valued differently depending on who you're, you know, where you're getting your information. And we had that debate in the bullpen all the time. Is like, oh man, that guy would be so good if he just made more contact. It's like, yeah, but everybody's getting paid based off power. There you go. You know. If if you're batting, you know, 290 with 10 or you're batting, you know, 260 with 30, <laughs> 240 with 30, 240 with 30, it doesn't matter. I mean, everybody's taking the 240 with, with 30. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And you know, and who that guy's going to get paid more than the other one. You know who would have gotten paid a lot these days it was Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn was a man before his time. Yeah. Adam Dunn. And before the shift. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine Dunn. that? I mean the big donkey man. That guy, he you know he he hit two two thirty five, but he had forty two bombs every year. You know, I mean that he well, would have pitchers, gotten paid. No, as pitchers, pitchers coming up, we were taught for years to get the ball down, keep the ball down. That's all they preach, keep the ball down. Hitters adjusted and started going, taking that ball and golfing it. I was talking to Bode, David Bodie over the weekend, and he said, "What about the the high strike? If, if the umpires, if the automated strikes and starts call, continues to call the high strike, because we have no chance because we can't hit that stuff." Hmm. At that, at this, at the speeds it. guys are throwing it now. So if they they really want to improve offense, they want to improve productivity, and have guys play more contact and less home runs, they lower the strike zone, which I thought was very. I hadn't heard anybody say that before. Interesting point. I mean, when I was you know on my rehab assignment, that was the only piece that I had to deal with was the automated zone. I didn't have to deal with the pitch clock like everybody else. So anybody on rehab assignment only had the automated zone. Huh. And because I'm a high fastball guy and a curveball. I, there's an adjustment period. I'm throwing high fastballs that are get, generally going to get called a strike or guys are going to swing at in the big leagues. But these guys are just taking it like they knew it was coming. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Huh. But on the flip side, when I started throwing my curveball for strikes, so it started as a ball, came yeah. back into the zone. Then I threw the high fastball off of it and used that more as an out pitch. I had a ton of success. Yeah, that, that, uh, the curveball. They're, they're talking about possibly bouncing a curveball as a strike. If, if I, saw, I saw it. I literally, I saw a catcher tackle a ball with two strikes, and it was a strike three. Everybody was just like looking around, like, yeah. did that really just happen? But it happened. Wait, wait, wait. Fill, fill, fill everybody in, including me. What's going on? What are we talking about here? A, a yeah, automated zone. Well, if you have so, an automated strike zone, especially if they go three D, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. If it bounces and it lands in the. It lands in the zone. Yeah. If you have a guy, if you have it, like, like you throw like a, a Kershaw curveball, footer. right? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, if Kershaw, it, that thing moves so much that if it just nicks the zone, whether it's the yeah. top of the plate or the bottom of the plate, wherever their 3D plate is, that's a strike. Right. And I, I literally watched a catcher tackle a ball on his knees and it was strike three. And the hitter's just like, not a chance. Yeah. Like, no way. But it had nicked the zone. That's well, see, why I say hitters Kershaw. are going to hate it. When it, ha- when it comes about to the play, it. hitters are going to hate it. We talked to you last, about it last week with the shift and Car about cargo, you know, making a comeback. And then 
you know, Clayton Kershaw is, you know, in his waning years here in the twilight of his career. And he's like, man, when the, it's right about when the automated strike zone comes in and that might be a benefit for him that he's going to probably be retiring. It's too bad. Yeah. Watch. He's going to throw it. He's going to throw 60% curveball at that automated yeah. zone. He's just going to, just going to nick it. Yeah, it's it. going to be great. It's going to be great. It'll speed up baseball. Keep an eye out for much. cargo. Keep an eye out for cargo in the spring training. He, yeah, he well, might show we'll up see. now we'll you know, with the, the shifting band. Hey, I remember Pierce, um, he, asked, he asked me one time, he's like, yo, who, who, who came up with the Ted Williams shift? Who did that? I just want to have a name. <laughs> I just want to have a name to, 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 to think about whenever I ground one into it, you know, and well, right up to right field. Hey, Pierce, um, you're going to be an elder statesman kind of on this team, especially in the, in the bullpen pitching step wise. What are you going to tell guys? And even the guys who are veterans who come here, who haven't experienced the altitude and are heard all the horror stories and are just freaked out by the whole thing. What are you going to tell them? And if you pitch to your string and you don't think anything about it, you're going to be just fine. I think everybody's going to have hiccups, right? Everybody's going to have ups and downs, especially making this the home field. I mean, there's, there's just an adjustment period, right? But as long as you trust your stuff and you go out there and you're willing to make the adjustments, you're going to have just as much success here as you can anywhere else. Going back yep. to uh, 2017, when, or maybe it was 18 when uh, it was his first or second year for Bud Black here. That was like when you had Freeland having like a Cy Young type season. Mm-hmm. He, he finished fourth and then you had Marcus at the top and it was just, it was incredible. And you had Sensatella. And honestly, it was really the best starting pitching maybe that you'd ever, you know, best kind of window of starting pitching you'd ever seen in, in Rocky's history. Yeah, John every, time we asked, every time we yeah. asked Bud about, about pitching here, you know, and everything, and he is the first pitcher, to, former pitcher to manage this, this, in this franchise, he would say, you make a bad pitch, it gets hit wherever you are. And I think that, um, you know, yeah, that's true. And it's also not true because the ball does move differently, but I think he has a great ally now in Pierce Johnson, because that's, what you're saying in a nutshell is, you know what, like you said, pitch to your strengths. You, you just don't think about it. You just do what you've got to do. And, you know, if you make a bad pitch, it's going to get hit no matter what. And every time you talk to Freelanders or, or uh, Marcus or whatever, they would say the same thing. Make a bad pitch. It's going to get hit. doesn't matter if you're here or there. And a lot of that, I think they bought into that and it worked. And I wonder how much of that is the mental side of things that Buddy got to make happen. And it seems like you might be able to help kind of along the lines of what Mark was asking, you might be able to help some of the younger, younger, uh, the children, as we call them, who are coming up to be able to uh, deal with the mental side of it like that. Well, I'm honored you think of me that way. So thank you. But uh, (laughs) yeah, you know, I may not have the same amount of service time as some of the other guys on the team, but I've played pro ball long enough that I feel like I have a little bit of a veteran status. And you're from here. Yeah. And, and I do think that plays. And I, I think that helps sure. my, my case for when I talk to other guys and yep. be able to train here and kind of see, you know, how my stuff plays in the off season as opposed to spring training. And then when season comes around, um, yeah, like you said, just pitch to your strengths. But like I, I said earlier, you have to make the adjustment. You got to be willing to make the adjustment. You can't get frustrated by doing the same thing and having the same results over and over and over. Like that's just the definition of sanity. You got to go out there and be able to make the adjustment at home just as you do on the road, because it's the same thing. You're going to have to make the adjustment on the road when your stuff's moving more or whatever it may be. Absolutely true. So I, I hope I can be a leader in that, in that bullpen and, and really kind of help shepherd some young guys. But um, then again, I got to, you know, I got to drink my own Kool-Aid and be able to make the adjustments myself when I'm doing it. Okay. Enough of this Rocky stuff. Let's get down to the important thing. Have you talked to Jim Polson at Faith Christian? Is he, what's going to go on with them? I got, I need a scouting report because 
We've never beaten him in my time as a head coach. Are we doing, is, never this beaten. is this illicit? Is this is this allowed? Yes, I want him to tell me how I'm going to beat Faith Christian this year for the first time. I am not party well, to this. I, I'm, I'm, I am I'm unplugging. Like sixth year, and I've never beaten Faith <laughs> I'm Christian. I'm going to get some sort of high school baseball, vi- high school baseball violation from the state. It's a baseball factory. How do we how do I get get over that hump? And by the way, uh, I love that I love that right field corner where you're where you're you can't where you're, love that. I do, it's awesome. Manny, Manny, so here's here's my, my it's got high it's got your, put, your numbers up it? on them. It's up I, your numbers up not. on them. Okay, so oh. it goes out to about 310 in right field, and then it jets out to about 320. And then the school, you hit the school. The school gets so annoyed, yeah. It it comes in in right center yeah. to a point, wow. and it's gotta be what 210? Yeah, something like that. Well, really, it's literally two ten, yeah. yeah. Wow. Little League. And then, oh, and then it gets better. And then it goes out to about 415 yeah. <laughs> in left center. Yeah. And then it, like, it's just normal. a normal left field. Yeah. And it's a normal left field, plays cool. 330, whatever. And, and, and that is not cool. You know how many times I gave up a fly ball to right center? And I'm just like, no. Are but you I'm trying to teach my kid, I'm trying to teach my right handed hitters to hit the ball the other way. It's perfect for that. And that's plus, you got the breeze. What we practiced. You got the breeze coming off right, off I 70 that's keeping the ball from carrying to left. I mean, it's only right, count, right, ballpark. I, if I can hit home runs to left field at that stadium, your guys could hit home runs well, to left we're field. Gonna, we're still real young. That, yeah, I, I got to go out. I got to go out though. and see this place. I've got a Bodie. I got Zeke I've Bodie. never seen anything like it. It's cool. Oh, it's, gotta, it's unbelievable. Right on I-70. Wow. Can't miss it. It's a great place. Pierce, um, you and David Bodie both have your numbers up on the wall up there. And right in that we spot did. you hate is your is your jersey number. Right. And Jim Polson, the coach, a good friend of mine from when we were kids. So I've just got to find a way to get over the hump and get him this year for the first. Well, time. I don't even—they're not even going to be Faith Christian anymore, right? It's going to be Grace Christian Academy or something. I haven't heard. Yeah. heard I haven't heard that yet. They're still Faith. Okay, so uh, well, they got they got bought out by Grace Church, right. so I don't think they're going to be right. Faith Christian anymore. But well, yeah, okay. I, I just know they got one power righty that is like six six. No, he graduated. He graduated last year. He did. Garrett, is Garrett he graduated? Yes, he's gone. Thankfully, he had like twelve home runs yeah. against me. He's gone. Okay. Hey, Pierce, we're gonna let you go. Speaking of, we're running out of time. We're gonna let you go. We will run into you at spring training and, and on in uh, obviously at Coors Field. Really appreciate giving us the time. Thanks, Pierce. Absolutely. Absolutely. Welcome, welcome. Absolutely. No, thank welcome. you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Can't All wait to see you in spring. Go. We'll see you in the spring. There he goes. Pierce Johnson. Merry Christmas. Hey Manny, you got a tough one to close out. You got the stuff? I do. I got it. I'm coming All in. All right, Manny, I'll close it out here in a minute. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars, past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. In honor of our guest on this week's podcast, Denver native and new member of the Rockies bullpen, Pierce Johnson. This edition of The Closer is dedicated to the 100 players in MLB history who were born in Colorado. Let's take a quick look at some of the notable names on the list. We've got to start at the top, of course. The top in terms of baseball reference wins above replacement, that is. The man with the most B-war among MLB players born in Colorado is one whom Pierce grew up watching. As he mentioned on the podcast, Hall of Fame right-hander Roy Halladay. Halladay's 65.4 war is the highest by far of any Colorado native to play Major League Baseball. Second on the list is another Hall of Famer, the inimitable Goose Gossage, who produced 41.6 war as one of the greatest relief pitchers in the history of the game. Next is Chase Headley, who was a 26 war player during his career. 
Then comes John Stearns, who was a big league infielder from 1974 to 84 with 19.7 war. The first active player on the list, also with 19.7 war, is right-hander Kevin Gosman. Some other notables, Kyle Freeland is 7th with 16.4. Mark Melanson is 11th at 13.3. Marco Gonzalez is 17th at 8.6. David Bodie, who was mentioned a couple of times on this week's podcast as well, is 25th with 4.1. And our own Mark Knudsen is 31st with 2.1. Pierce Johnson is 45th on the list at 0.9, but he's just getting started and could move up this list rapidly as he gets ready to begin his career with his hometown ball club, in 2023. All the best to Pierce as he tries to help right the ship for the Rockies Relief Corps. Maybe we should have let Pierce close it out? I guess not. Instead, we'll just thank you for spending time with us here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. And of course, we'll thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.